0: Timothy chapter 5 it was read greatly a moment ago very well done I'll read it again do not rebuke an older man but encourage him as you would a father younger men as brothers older women as mothers younger women as sisters in all purity with a reading that short how long could the sermon be you're getting hopeful commentaries, spend maybe a page on these two verses and run on to the rest of it, and you're like, well, let's do that with the sermon too, right? But listen, there's some, there's some cultural things and there's some, uh, there's some inconvenient things that this runs up against. This passage runs up against our American convenience and our sense of individualism, and because of that, this becomes a bit of a challenge. Just these two simple verses talking about how we're to treat each other as family, and there's some clarifications that are needed. Like, first of all, who is this? Who is this family we're talking about? Next screen. So who is this family? When he says, treat younger men, older men, younger women, old, who... Who's he talking about, treating them like family? The thing about family is this. Most of you have a nuclear family, mom and dad of some kind, maybe a blended family, but you have a small family, right? Some of you have like one kid, like Tyson's alone and and Cameron Salo's alone. So they're kind of spoiled, right, like that. But most of us might have one or two siblings on either side of us. And so you might have a family of five, six at the most. So it's relatively pun intended easy to kind of keep the family obligations going but then we look at this crowd i want you to look across the auditorium and realize that this is family and you've got an enormous family here a bunch from pew to pew right and we all have a family obligation to each other and it just it's overwhelming to think of this, and here's a few things I want us to look like uh, look at it about who this pertains to. One is this, committing to this family is not an option. This is not an optional rider to attach to your faith, to your walk with Christ. This is a centerpiece of your walk. It is a central expression of your life in Christ. If you want Jesus, you get his family too. Now listen, In premarital counseling, I say this a lot. We do a whole session on this truth. You marry the family. Is that true? I heard some people say, yeah, it sure is. I know, I know. You marry the whole thing. And you're like, no, I'm just marrying this guy. I'm just marrying this. No, no, no. It'd be easy. You know, the leave and cleave thing? That's really hard. It, you get the whole thing. When you come into Christ, that baptism, that immersion is wonderful. Forgiveness of sins, filled to the Holy Spirit and added to the church, all in one fell swoop, right? It's like coming up out of the water, ta-da, here's your family, share the cigars. Isn't that what it should be? Right? We should pass around the chewing gum cigars, right? We should pass them around because we've just gained a sibling. That's not just language we use. That's not just semantics. This is a reality that develops. And so here's there's a lot of people say, give me Christ, I don't want the church. You can't. A central part of your development as a Christian takes place in community with these people that you can't have without that community. That's the first thing. This is not an optional add-on. This is a centerpiece of your faith. The second thing is we don't get to pick who's in it and who's not. The one common denominator, actually the two, you might say, is that we all share the same Father. Our God is the same one. And then we don't get a family meeting where we get to vote on each other whether we want to adopt this child or not. We don't get that. That's not a privilege we have. If God is your Father and you are allied with Christ, then we are allied with one another. That's the way this works. Here's how Jesus tells it. It's very shocking, really, uh, to his own family. While he was still speaking to the people, he was having this, in in this house, he was teaching some things. Behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside. They were just outside the door and they wanted to get to their brother, their son. But he replied to the man. The man comes out and says, hey, your brother and your mothers are out there. And he says, who's my mother? Who, Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand, He stretched out his hand and died, but he also stretched out his hand and said, your family. Who is my mother? What's the family bond? It's not blood. The greatest family bond is not blood. The greatest family bond is who does the will of God. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that's my brother, my sister, my mother. That's who I'm related to. Do you realize that Your spiritual family is to be more important to you than your physical one? That's tough, isn't it? The greatest joy in the earth, and every one of you would say it's true, is when both of those categories are the same. They have my blood in their veins, and they have my faith running through their spirit. That's when it's at the top. That's when it's great. But sometimes, y'all, sometimes our blood family doesn't accept the faith, and and guess what? Your faith family is even more center to you. That's what he said. Here's my family. Even so much so that Jesus says, you know what? Sometimes you have to hate your very mom compared to loving me. He has said that. It's hyperbole, of course. But sometimes there's a clash, and when there's a clash, you go with the faith family. That's hard, isn't it? That's a hard saying. And I have to say that. You have to hate your mama sometimes. And by the way, next Sunday is Mother's Day. That just seems like a bad timing, doesn't it? I'll say it. That's what makes family family. And as nice as that is, what is family treatment to you? What is the family treatment? What's it mean to you that the church is family? There are people who say, well, uh, uh, you know, a church is a family, but they didn't treat me quite right. Do you, are you in a family that everybody treats each other right all the time? Does anybody have a family like that? Does anybody have a family where at the family reunion you'd rather not go because there's some family you would rather not be your family? Does anybody have a family like this? You have some that you'd like to vote out off the island, right? Let me show you some pictures because family is all of it. Family is everything. And here's, here's the first one. Anybody recognize these people? This is Hollis and Colby, and they are fussing. One of them was taken when I requested the uh, could you show me a picture of them fussing? And she's like, they are right now. Just wait a minute. And they send it right to me. And there it was right there on the front porch. And they were just uh, at each other. Another one is, uh, is in the yard doing this, right? That's, that's family. When I think of family, uh, and my brother and I, that's what I think of, right? there. That, that's family. Is that a, an attractive concept? Not for everybody and not all the time. But then, next slide, look at that. They are loving sometimes. Look at that. They actually like each other. Now, next one. Uh, anybody know who this is? Can you tell who this is? This is one of our graduates. Tried to get some graduates in here. Now, I, uh, Alexandra's always been beautiful, but she, this is not nothing. This is nothing. She was doing. But, but look at, right now, she's not happy. Can you see it on her face? She is not happy with Isabella. They are not uh, they're not quite on square terms, right? They're, they're fussing at each other. So, in case you, especially those early service people, they come in and they look like they're just like glamorous. They'd be on the front of some magazine or whatever. It's not always like that. That's yeah, kind of what I'm saying from visiting each other. It's not, always, but there are times like this, too. Next one. Yeah, see, they, they do love each other. Now, here's another, another uh, a, a couple kids from here. Um, these two, this is unfortunate when you have two daughters on different teams and they play each other. Isn't that rough in soccer? And Sally and Elliot, they're, they're, they're doing this and they're at each other. And that second one, uh, right on this side, I think she kicked her on purpose and she went down like, and that's sisters. That's sisters. This is what I think of when I think of family, right? We have moments like this. Churches do too. I will never stand in front of a group of people and say, you need to come to Valley View because we're a great family. I mean, I think we're a great family, but I'm not going to tell you we get it right all the time. I'm going to tell you just as often we look like this, right? Now, next, next slide. But then, then there are moments we look like this and we get it right. Family treatment of each other. We don't always get it right, but it's all in there. And that's what church is. It is not this perfect group of people, it is a perfect body that what God called us to. But the per- people in it oh, man, listen, I can tell you more of my failures than my successes at this. And that brings up the last one I want to say about this. And this is I, get this if you get nothing else. To be family increases obligations and decreases independence. This is why, in the church, we're going to have a tough time in America as time goes forth. Americans like independence. I want to call the shots. I want to do things my way. I don't want to be burdened by the cares of other people. When you come into the church, that gets limited, doesn't it? I don't like funerals any more than you do. But sometimes being family means I go to one. I don't like the idea. I, I, I like uh, Red Wolves season tickets. My father-in-law gives me r- r- season tickets. And we go to every Red Wolf football game together. And it's wonderful. And we have great holidays. But you know what? We have some memory issues too. And now all of a sudden you've got to You've got to factor that into family. And some of you even hearing this right now know your last week has been plagued by taking care of older parents that demands time right now that you can't do what you want because you've got to do what they need. And that's what family means. If you want a church as a family, you've got to come in here knowing it's going to decrease the time for you and it's going to increase your obligations toward other people. And it's gonna fill your heart with all sorts of conflicting emotions this week alone. We've been to funerals to bid farewell to people we love, but we've also, we've also waited, like today, I think, is the day. A new baby's going to be born, and all that's happening at the same time. And all this, y'all, fills your heart. You don't go a whole day without thinking about this. And everywhere we went this week, we were eating with different people and, and meeting with different people, and they all talked about Karen Wallace. What, what happened? We got that, and we've been praying for since. You've got the burden in your day of taking care of her through your prayer. You've got to remember it, and you've got to take some time and think of her. And it is a burden, but it's one of the greatest honors of family that we get to do. But you've got to take some time that's yours and give it to them in prayer. That limits independence And that's a burdensome obligation. That's why the church is not going to fare well in the independent American culture we live in. But we can't do anything about it. And in fact, when you sign on for it, you sign on just for this. There's a second thing. What does it mean to encourage in this passage? Notice, do not rebuke an older man. Don't rebuke him harshly. I think that's what it means. This is the only time this word for rebuke appears in the New Testament, so it's a little weird, but don't rebuke him, but encourage him. This is not about what you do. It's going to have to be done. It's about how you do it. That's what this passage is about. It's not what. Timothy comes to realization that there's an older member who needs to be corrected. There's something going on in his life, and he's going just a little bit amiss, amiss, and Timothy needs to go talk to him. But Paul says, when you do that, you don't come at him with guns blaring. You don't come at him just to tell him how it is. You don't come at him as if you're going to rebuke him because he's an older person. You need to respect where he is in life. You need to think about how he'll receive this. I, you're not just going in there to correct. You're going this in this to correct with the hope that you inspire and motivate him to adopt it and not get broken heart- or shamed about it to where he is discouraged and quits. You do care how it's received. You do care, and you can think about it, and you know this person, you think about how are they going to receive it. Those of you who have more than one kid no, you don't talk to your kids the same way. You take into consideration their heart, how they receive information, I know as a matter of fact, AJ receives things a whole lot differently than Graydon does. And a parent's responsibility is to know their children enough to tell it slant. Yes, correct, but correct slant. I'm not just interested in correcting them. I'm correcting them as family, hoping they'll stay family. I do care that they don't walk away. People will say, well, just tell them how it is and let the chips fall where they may. I care where the chips fall. I care. I'm not just gonna come out there and knock the door down and slam them and try to to walk in there like John Wayne would, right? Paul says, I want you to, I do want you to approach them. But I want you to do it in a way most likely to be received well. Sustaining family and maturing a person. Don't just tell them off. Don't just get it told. Get it told in a way that inspires and blesses. Sometimes that encouragement is a correction like this. I think, uh, I think of a reason why an older man would need to be corrected. I can see some people saying that an older person... Uh, They've got it made. They already have their faith. We don't have to worry about them. Let them cruise along. Just let them cruise along. They'll be fine. They've proven the point. They don't need as much attention. You reckon that's true? Do they not get a little depressed sometimes? Do they not get a little discouraged sometimes? Even they need our attention. Sometimes it's spurring them on because they've gotten a little bit lazy. Maybe they're thinking they're retired from life or something, and they haven't. Encouragement is caring enough about their maturity that I'm going to make some observations that spur them on. Right? Sometimes it might be uh, a prayer. It might be we admonish them. We greet them wherever we meet them. Right? All sorts of ways to encourage. Each one of these is important, and the New Testament is full of these, these descriptions. We pray for them. We bear with them. They just had a loss in their family, and yes, they're seasoned Christians, but it still hurts. Pay attention. Bear the burdens, comfort, show hospitality. I've received that a lot, and it's been amazing to me. All right? Rejoice with them, weep with them, forgive them, show patience, submit to them, comfort them. There's any number of forms that this comes in, and we need to be willing and eager to offer it to the people around us in the church. But there's another clarification. Not only is it about who is family, not only is it about what does encouragement mean, but why does he break this apart generationally? Why does he say, you need to treat younger people? different than older people. Why is that? Is there something about older people? Is there something about this that we need to know? Because Timothy says, you've got to keep that in your head. And I'll say two things. All generations need to interact with each other. How does Timothy know that this older man is needing some correction? How does he know that? Some older member needs something and is lacking something, is really discouraged, getting a little depressed. How does anybody in the church know that? I think we've gone sometimes, listen, I I think this is okay, so don't misread me on this, but we have segregated the church too much. And I'll tell you how I think that is. College meets here. Young professionals meet over here. Young families meet over here. We sit together, we talk to each other, we don't interact with other people, and suddenly we don't even know what happens with other age groups. So that's we meet in a class, we, meet, we sit together in the same pews, we do the same thing, and we're all segregated. I'm not even aware of what's happening to you over there. I'm not even sure what's going on with Tony Davis over here he sits over here we can be so segregated and here's the thing there's, there's churches doing this today there are churches all over the place that say you know we're tired of the old heads we're tired of the old songs we're tired of we've all, we've always done it this way and so let's get rid of them let's start a new church with just young people and we can let our studly self show right we can just live our best lives without the hindrance of the older people you make that mistake and you're doomed You make a mistake when you do that because all generations need to be concerned about each other. Young people, college people, the only way you got this church today was those older folks yesterday. And they're still here. They still bear witness. They still are evidence of faithfulness for generations that has been rooted. They've been through life and they're still standing in the faith. And that's something to heroically honor and admire and make sure you pay attention and tap into that. And we hear about sticky faith all the time. I've heard about the book and I've heard about the principle all my life. Young people will fall away if they don't know somebody beyond just the young people in the church when they come home and all the young people are gone and they don't know anybody out there. They don't feel like they belong here. So you need to interact with them. i've heard about it all my life now i want to see a church do it quit talking to me about these principles and statistics let's be a church where we do intermingle i want to see it happen because it's how we save the old folks it's how we save the young folks he is saying to timothy don't you dare don't you dare disregard them But here's another thing, I think. The generations need each other. They just need to see each other. They need to be interacting with each other. And older folks, don't be like one told me after the early service, I'm just retired. I said, there's one way you retire, and Arlie Williams did it last week. He got an honorable retirement, and we're going to miss him. But until the Lord calls you to that, you older folks have a role in this church that's very important. And don't you dare sit there and say, well, we've done it. Let somebody else do it. Well, they can do some of that stuff, but there's some stuff you need to be doing because you don't retire from the Christian faith. Maturity never ends until you mature into heaven. That's the only way you mature. And so here's the thing. We've, we've kind of quit pairs and spares because of COVID for long. There's a questionnaire. I'm going to have it with me when you leave, but there's, it's out there on the, on, the, on the offering table, the circle table, and there's a questionnaire with an envelope next to it. We're asking all our older members, and these are people who, listen, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we're going to call you every week to do something. It doesn't mean we're going to put you to work teaching like every class for every year. No, no. We're, we're just wanting to figure out, are there some people here? Because the greatest population we have right now that can do the greatest for this church is our older members. And we just want to know how interested are you in doing that. And if you're not, just forget it. But if you're willing, even in the smallest way, fill out that questionnaire. One last thing. I'm milking these two verses dry, can you tell? It's a gender difference. Did you notice the gender difference in this passage? In our world, we're trying to flatten gender to where everybody's the same. Everybody has the same role, same responsibilities, same work, and all that. And that's an important corrective. Everybody in the church matters. We're all equal, men, women, older, younger. We are all a vibrant part of a church. And a church is incomplete without any one of them. This is incredibly important for us to correct. But let me lean in and tell you something very politically incorrect. And I'm not talking about roles here. I am done with roles for a while, okay? Men and women, this is going to be shocking to you, are not the same. Do I get an amen, or is everybody wondering if I'm telling the truth or not? Yeah. Okay. So we're not the same, and I and I mean this not just not not in the most obvious. way. Well, I'm talking about, we don't we don't think the same. I've been married to my wife a long, and I still don't know what she's thinking, right? I, sometimes what she thinks doesn't matter. And certainly what I do. Her first question for God is, "How did you think that was going to work?" That's what she says, right? Men, women. We think different. And here's what, Jesus, what he's saying. Paul says to Timothy, I want you to encourage. You need to encourage women just like you do men. Women need the encouragement. But listen, when you do, the younger women, treat them as sisters with absolute purity. We know of the sexually charged culture we live in. And it was no different in Ephesus where Timothy was. Same thing because m- men and women have been this way all since creation. So it's nothing new. You need to be aware of this. How you are received. And by the way, even each woman is different even each woman is different i remember in kenneth there was one woman who had been she's older now she's even visited here before and she had some she had some very uncomfortable things happen when she was younger and i noticed i noticed in dealing with her and finally one day she told me after i asked about an abusive situation before and she said it when a man comes up from the front to hug she just goes crazy i said got your point i hear what you're saying Never again did I hug the woman. Now that's not true of every woman, and I, and I, I understand of the whole sexual tension of our culture, and I get it. It's it, but but also at this don't do this either. Don't do that thing that because there are some the, some things in the world I won't get within ten feet of somebody who's attractive. We've done wrong in the church this way too. Surely I can be mature enough to register all this stuff and treat this with respect and treat her like a sister even though that that sexual tension that is there from our culture exists right here. But I'm looking at how you receive it. I'm looking at how it appears in the world. And I'm taking all that into consideration when I think about how to encourage this young lady. And all that is what Paul wants to know. I want you... Not to look at everybody flat and the same because we're not. I want you to look at everybody as different and treat them accordingly. Take it into consideration. You're not blind to it, but you're not going to be overly exaggerated about it. Now, let's quit. For those of you graduating, if you stay here, this is your family. We want to be your family, imperfections and all. We want you to go right into that college group, because that college group is a cool group of people, and Mitchell. And go into that group, because you are family, and when you do, listen, even the older members here are your brothers and sisters. And they're a big deal to you, and take the time to get to know them. If you're going to go away, listen, I, I can't say this enough. I've had two kids just go through this, right? When you go away somewhere, I don't care where you to go, go to college, find a church. Take four weeks to check around. Don't take three semesters to check around. Makes no sense. You find one that's imperfect because they'll all be imperfect. Don't look for the perfect church and don't look for Valley View either, right? Don't look for the perfect. Find a good one you can work with and dig in. And love those people and let them love you because this next four years isn't just about your degree. It's about your maturity. And you need to be involved and you can't do it without family. You cannot do it without the family. And I'll stress that in a minute. Last thing. The rest of us as a church. Or I say older members, take a questionnaire. I want to say that. Take that questionnaire when you leave today. And all of us, we are family, burdens and all. And that it limits, it handcuffs your independence a little bit. It will... It will. It will take up some of your time, and it will take up some of your heart energy and strength. It will. It will plague you. It will make you exhausted at the end of the day, thinking about other people other than yourself, and that's what makes you like Jesus. That's God's mechanism for making you like Jesus because Jesus didn't just think of himself. He went to a cross not for himself. And this last verse I want us to look at. This is after the rich, young ruler was sent away. He wouldn't give up his money, and so he walked away, and the disciples were thinking, wow, wow, you're asking a lot of him. But Peter got up, and he said, well, guess what? I've left everything to follow you. It's like, I've got nothing. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is not one who's left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake. Not one person leaves these family members because of their faith for me and for the gospel who will not receive a hundred times as many, not in the hereafter, right now. This is one of the greatest things he says. And in the life to come, or in the age to come, eternal life. Do you know how Jesus... And God gets you to the life to come, eternal life. You know how He gets you there? Through the family He gives you through your faith. That's how He gets you there. In this auditorium are people who are your mothers and your brothers and your sisters, warts and all. And by you interacting with them and loving them through all and imperfectly as you can, by doing all that, he's making you in the image of Jesus so that one of these days, in the life to come, you will have eternal life. If you try to get to the end without the family he gets you in the meantime, you will fail. You will fail. If you want to get to the end, utilize the family he puts you in by loving them and letting them love you because what you might think is you can handle life on your own no you can't god knew it and he didn't design it that way he designed it for you to let family in to share it this morning thinking about reasons why should i be part of an imperfect church that takes up my time and takes up my energy, that zaps me of my strength. You want to know the answer to that? We have a couple of sisters. We have a couple of members who have to take up a lot of time trying to figure out how we're going to puzzle our time together to take care of our ailing parents. Ask them if it's worth it. Ask them why they do it. We have some parents of little kids, several of them. In fact, in the back row back there, it's an empire row packed with kids like sardines back there. And it's constant, this, 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 this. You ask a busy mother trying to take care of these little kids, and you ask them, what's family life like? It's exhausting. Why do you do it? And the answer they give is the same answer to this question. Why should we mess with the church? It's the same answer. If there's anybody who needs to respond this morning, coming to Christ for the first time, not only getting your sins forgiven, which is absolutely essential, and getting the Holy Spirit to live your life, which is absolutely essential, but being added to the family, which is absolutely essential. Those three essentials, you want them, they're available today. If you have them and for some reason you've forsaken them, come back as we stand and as we sing to encourage you.